and welcome to Accidentally, the IIBC's podcast where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation programs. I'm Jennifer Wolf-Horsch, Executive Director of the IAIBC. During Accidentally, I ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is to make you think about work comp in a different way. You can listen or download our podcast each month at iaiabc.org slash podcast. Today, I'm excited to have two experts joining me to share their insights on return to work. I first want to introduce Peter Federko. Peter is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Workers' Compensation Board and an IAIABC past president. He currently serves as the chair of the Disability Management and Return to Work Committee. I have known Peter for a long time. When we first met, I foolishly asked him about the hockey season. Yes, it was the only thing I could think of that was Canadian. And he politely pointed out that the NHL was on strike that year. We welcomed Vicki for the first time a few years ago, and she enthusiastically jumped into IAIBC activities related to Return to Work. Vicki is the Assistant Director for Insurance Services at the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries. Vicki shared a motto the other day that I really like. She said in their agency, they're always striving to find a way to yes. Peter and Vicki, one of the reasons this podcast is titled Accidentally is that most people accidentally fall into the industry. Can you tell me how you came into workers' compensation, Peter? Thank you, Jennifer. So I would say, I, for, for me, it wasn't really an accident as much as it was trickery. Um, so I'm a CPA uh, by profession and was running my own consulting practice, and one of my clients got appointed chairman of the Workers' Compensation Board. He gave me a call, and he said, there's a lot of things going on here that I need your help and advice on. I need you to come down and see what you can do for me. I told him I was way too busy and he said, well, you know, I'm a very good client of yours and surely you could give a client like me at least one day. That was in February of 1994. I agreed to come and spend one day with him and just give him some thoughts about the direction that he was thinking about going with the organization. As a result of that, I ended up signing a consulting contract, and in June of 1994, I accepted a position at the Workers' Compensation Board. Something happened you know, between February of 1994 and June 94, where I got the passion. I got the importance of the work that workers' compensation systems do, and what an opportunity to positively impact the lives of people when they're really, you know, at perhaps one of the lowest points of their life. That was far more compelling to me than regular CPA work of doing audits and tax returns. And I have to say, you know, over the 22 years, my passion has grown even more so with respect to how I feel about the importance of the work that we do. And Vicki, how about you? So I probably did fall into workers' comp pretty accidentally. Um, 
I was attending college, not sure exactly what I wanted to do next. And uh, I grew up in a, in a very small town. I didn't really have a lot of options. And someone I was in school with said, have you ever thought about working for state government? So I put in my application, not even knowing what the process was all about. And the first place I was referred to happened to be the state agency that ran the workers' comp program. So I accepted a position as a file clerk, not knowing what any of this was all about. And um, and I would say over the years, as I learned more about how quickly workers' comp changes, how many issues there are, how complex it is, and I'm and I'm someone that's easily bored. Things have to change for me all the time. Um, I just like Peter, I caught the passion at some point about the um, the opportunities to help people and the complexities of the system and and how we can um, manage it to get the kind of outcomes and results that we want. So the IAIBC Board of Directors has recently approved a paper on return to work called Return to Work, a Foundational Approach to Return to Function. Peter, can you tell me why the Disability Management and Return to Work Committee took on this effort and why you think return to work is so important to the future of workers' compensation? So the Disability Management Committee is probably one of the newer committees of the IABC, and it came about as a result of, you know, I guess us coming to the realization that one of the weakest areas with respect to the administration of workers' compensation systems was the strength of the return-to-work programs around the world. And what became obvious to us as a committee was the lack of understanding among the various stakeholders that are integral to a return-to-work program about what their respective roles and responsibilities were in returning someone to work. Return-to-work is important from every stakeholder's perspective. I think at the end of the day, we have to come to the understanding, realization that at the end of an injury, at the other end of an injury is actually a human being. And we have a responsibility, not just to reduce the costs of the compensation system, but I believe to do what we can to restore that individual's ability to return to productive life. Vicki, do you have any comments on that? Why, why is return to work so important? So one of the things that I appreciate about working with Peter and the IIBC is that Washington is pretty unique when you look at us in comparison to other state systems. Um, and we like to call ourselves an outcome-based system, not, not a system that focuses on costs. Um, the primary way that you reduce costs, we really believe, is through improved outcomes. And our goal, um, since I took over the role I have now, has really been focused on return to work. We've reorganized in a way so that that is a, a primary focus of ours because I really believe that improving return to work outcomes is better for the worker, it's better for the employer, and it happens to reduce costs. So the paper begins to chip away at some perceptions about different stakeholders in the system and I hope teases them a little bit about what their role might be and where they can contribute to some of these better outcomes. So I have been involved in, in watching this paper come um, into being and through the many phases of development. And I'd say that in some ways it's been a real labor of love for many of the contributors. 
So Vicki, you have participated quite a bit in the development and writing of this paper. Could you tell us what you learned through seeing this paper begin and now here um, at its conclusion? That's an interesting question. I um, One of the things that I noted as I read some of the early drafts, I would say, because I did come into this when the paper was partially done, is um, is some of what I would classify as misunderstandings of the the roles of some of the um, parties in the system. And I think it's exactly those misunderstandings or misperceptions that we have to eliminate if we want them to participate. Um, I also thought that as, as a committee, we probably struggle a little bit about how do we help these people see their role in a way that contributes to return to work. I think as, as the papers evolved, we've addressed some of that. Um, but, but in some ways, the paper is a little teaser to me about what, what's next. We, we get people to buy in and understand the, the perceptions and their role. So what can we do now to help them be more active participants? So, so Peter, um, this paper is organized with each section addressing a specific stakeholder group. So, for example, it addresses the regulator, the employee, the employer, the caregivers. You note at the beginning of the paper that it's intended to explore some common misperceptions and realities that exist among stakeholder groups when it comes to return to work efforts. Why was it so important for you to discuss each stakeholder in this way? I believe that everything that we do within the workers' compensation system and the success of the programs that we have based on, as Vicki put it so well, based on outcomes that that we are measuring, is 100% dependent upon the relationships among the stakeholders within the compensation system. And oftentimes, we have these perceptions that the views, desires of the stakeholders are very polarized. And I think it's partially due to the fact that they don't understand what their respective role ought to be. They don't understand really what's in it for them. And they don't really know how to go about it, what to do. Now, the paper was not intended to be a how-to manual or a best practices, but rather to, I don't know, you know, just encourage some interest in a dialogue or discussion in learnings about the respective roles and responsibilities. Because if one of those stakeholders is absent from the conversation, the program will not work. It will fail if just one of them is not an active participant. I want to add something, too, that that Peter said, just to bring his point home a little bit. I don't think, if I use injured workers as an example, I don't think many of them recognize the, the speed with which disability sets in. It's a mindset. And how damaging that is to their long-term quality of life. And, and some of the papers tries to bring that out a little bit. So, Vicki, on that point, is there one stakeholder that you wish would take more ownership of Return to Work? Well, you know, when I think about all of the different stakeholders, 
certainly every one of them has a, a role or an influence. I think the one that um, is one of the most influential and probably can move the most toward a more active role is the caregivers, the medical providers. Um, medical providers, so many of them are still in the mindset of um, the best thing I can do for my workers, protect them from re-injury to make sure that they don't overtax themselves. When in reality, all the data shows the best thing you can do is to keep them active and engaged. And so they, there's sort of a, for some of them, a misplaced understanding or perception that the best way to advocate for my worker is to keep them um, as a non-participant and return to work. And yet, who's the worker going to listen to the most? It's not the insurer. It's not the employer. It's going to be their doctor. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Who do you wish would take more ownership of return to work? So I, I, I'm going to put a little bit of a different twist on it, Jennifer. It's not about the ownership piece, but I think one of the most vulnerable stakeholders uh, in the compensation system is, are actually the employees themselves. And they have such fear of what the return to work is really about and what the motives of the employer might be in actually bringing them back to work, whether it's to fire them or lay them off when they come back, um, you know, rid themselves of what the employer perceives as a bad employee or whatever the case may be. And the reason I say they're more vulnerable is because from a, a worker's comp perspective, they are very, very poorly organized. Unionized employees can be represented by their unions, but a very small percentage of the workforce, I would say, in for sure in Canada, and I'm assuming it's the same in the U.S. and around the world, are the minority, not the majority. So how do we get to the group of employees to educate them about the, the role and, and responsibility and the benefits to them, as, as Vicki said, relative to participating in a return-to-work program. So I think they're, they are by far the most difficult for us to reach to as a collective group. And I think really need to have some focus on how do we actually reach out to the employees to make them more aware of what their role is, why this is good for them, and why they should be active participants. So, so Vicki and Peter, I, I'm very interested in that comment. Do you have any programs or in your role at, at the Washington board and as the CEO of the Saskatchewan board, what are you doing as agencies and as claims administrators um, to educate and to engage injured workers in that? I think the closest thing we have, and I, and I will say it's a gap for us, like it is for most jurisdictions, um, where we're starting right now is how we are having conversations with injured workers from day one about their responsibility in the system and that their job is to return to work. Peter? It is definitely a gap for us as well. And, you know, what we have relied on are kind of broad messages using, you know, social media uh, marketing campaigns just to try and create some broad public awareness um, you know about the importance of return to work we've been far more engaged 
in that respect as it relates to the prevention of injury in the first place. Um, but I think we really need to up our game with respect to uh, socializing the importance and uh, impact that return to work can have on people's lives. One of the, if I can just add to it, Jen, while I've got the, the microphone here, an interesting discussion we had at the committee level is what the title of the paper ought to be. And the paper is titled, you know, Return to Work, A Societal Approach to Return to Function. And that seems to confuse people a lot. And why is that, you know, why do I think that that's important and significant? Is because the processes that are used to allow an individual to recover from an an injury at home are exactly the same as those used to enable a worker to recover from an injury at work. The stigma attached to return to work doesn't appear to exist when we think about recovering from an injury so that we can resume our normal day-to-day lives. We believe that society as a whole needs to understand, and stakeholders, you know, Vicki mentioned the caregiver community. They need to understand that the care that they're providing is not just to deal with the acute symptoms of the injury, but actually to restore that individual's ability to return to normal life. And so I just think that that is critically important, and I think, you know, truly a societal approach with respect to cultural change around to return to and return to function needs to occur. I actually was going to make a comment, Peter, that I think I think that it was interesting that you talked about both prevention and return to work. And in some ways, having a strong prevention program, I think, demonstrates to employees early on that their employer values them and their safety. And doesn't that, in some way, set them up for when a workplace injury happens, that they want them to re-engage in the work? Would you say that's true? I think that's really true, and I, I think you know one of the critical um, the critical things around effective return to work is actually the positive relationship between the employer and the employee. Uh, if the employee does not like their supervisor, does not like where they work, our experience has been it becomes extremely difficult to reintegrate them into the workplace and affects the ability to actually return to work. So so let me add to that, too. This is sort of a teaser for people looking at the paper. If you look at the employer section, it talks about the need to make sure that it, that their employees know, first of all, they have a safety program, they buy into that, but that they have an active return to work program that's supported through every level of, their, um, of that employer. And... You need to know that before the injury happens, not after. So, Peter, could you share with me a closing thought on the, on the action that you would like the workers' compensation community to take after reading this paper? Embrace the concept of, of return to work by putting into action some strategies that unite the stakeholders around effective return to work programming in all the jurisdictions. So it, so the IIBC, as you know, because you were the president, is made up of jurisdictional members. That's our core membership. What's the one thing that you'd like to see them do after reading this paper? 
Well, the majority of the memberships are, are regulators, um, although there are organizations like Vicky and mine that actually uh, carry out uh, compensation programs, deliver the services. From a regulatory perspective, I guess I would just like to see them reinforce through regulation, through conversation, that return to work is one of the fundamental outcomes they expect out of their compensation systems. Secondly, as an employer, we would like to see those regulators demonstrate best practice and return to work in their own workplaces. So Vicki, would you like to, to share a closing thought on the action that you would like to see come from this paper? So, and again, I, I think Peter and I have different perspectives that merge together quite well. So, so Peter has the Canadian perspective, and from a, a U.S. perspective, I think what would be important to me is that the discussions that happen within jurisdictions are less about how do we cut benefits, how do we settle claims more quickly, and more about how do you get workers to return to work so that those conversations don't even need to occur because they have not become so ingrained in disability that you have to worry about a settlement cost, as an example. Peter, do you have any closing thoughts for us? I would just invite people to visit the IIVC website at iivc.org. Look for the paper. Um, stay tuned. We had a really productive uh, committee meeting today. Stay tuned for other strategies where we will be reaching out to engage you, and please be receptive to us when we come to speak to you. Peter and Vicki, I want to thank you for joining me for the Accidentally podcast. I encourage all of our listeners to download the paper at the IIBC website, and I want you to share that paper and resource with colleagues and discuss opportunities to improve return to work within your organization. You can view previous podcasts at iaiabc.org slash podcast. I look forward to talking with you next month for a discussion of interesting and compelling issues in workers' compensation. Cheers.